0: It was just such a wholesome experience to know you know my host family like really enjoys spending time with me, and so that Aww. was that was one That's um sweet. another one is so I guess one reason that my host family was excited to be matched with me is mm-hmm. my heritage i'm I'm Indian and I guess this younger girl was somehow really interested in Indian culture, I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> she was like really excited about learning more and learning about stuff. And so one day I went to this Arabic store and bought like a henna cone, are you, are you familiar with henna? Yes. Yeah, and so I, I went and bought a henna cone and I came home and I did henna for the girls and their friends who were over and they were so amazed, they were like this is the coolest thing ever. So
1: that was like a really fun merging of cultures Aww. experience that I had. Hello, hello! Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Nivy as the guest. Nivy is a tech consultant in the Bay Area, she's also an entrepreneur who founded a media platform called the Soapbox Project, and what the Soapbox Project does is it not only is meant to help people become more informed about social, political, environmental issues going on around them but also to to help people uh do something about it um as Nivi put it to me you know going from information to action and equipping people to become involved in social change so that's a really awesome project that she's kept going for a while now but the main reason for our conversation was um for her to tell me about the time that she spent living in Lyon Uh, She spent a semester in Lyon, France, uh, living with a host family. Nibby had studied French all four years in high school, and then when she got to college, she really wanted to make all those years of of effort and learning count. So she decided she wanted to go to France, and Lyon is where she ended up. Uh, And again, she lived with a host family that she got along with splendidly really set the tone for her experience not only just having people around who who cared and who who did um, fun things together you know like almost like they were her real family but also uh, helped her to feel more like she was living in France you know more immersed in the, the local culture and the pace of life in Lyon so she told me all about that and um, I think this is the third episode in a row where I'm talking to someone who also has a podcast of their own. Uh, I promise I did not set out to only interview fellow podcasters in 2020 that's just how it has worked out but I'm not complaining I'm very happy with the guests I've been able to talk to so far Uh, my point in saying this is Nibby also has a podcast called Get Schooled which is in connection with the Soapbox Project and Get Schooled is all about the state of education in America from various people's and various communities perspectives Um, and her desire to want to learn more about education in this country and also to help people become more uh, informed more involved more civically engaged started when she was an undergrad but really became a strong thing that she noticed and and wanted to do something about uh, as a result of her experience in France so kind of all comes back together <laughs> and and connects to the time that she spent in lyon so you can to hear about that some other travels that she's done and what she's looking forward to in the future so without further ado sit back relax and enjoy my interview with my friend nivi achanta Um well like I was saying I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today um to be a guest uh, on this podcast. I really do appreciate it. Why don't we yeah. um why don't we start off with you introducing yourself a bit if you don't mind?
0: Yeah, that sounds good. So, I'm Nevi. I'm currently an entrepreneur and a tech consultant in the Bay Area. Um I'm really interested in traveling. I try to do it whenever I can. One of my favorite activities that maybe I shouldn't do at work is to try to find cheap flight places. (laughs) Um, So I try to use travel as sort of like an escape for whatever I'm going through in my corporate life. Mm. And that all started when I studied abroad.
1: Yeah. Nice. Okay. Great. And you went to France, right?
0: I did. I went to Lyon, France.
1: Okay. And was it, was this in university? Was this in, well, you said 2015. I was about to say, was this in high school, but there's no way you were in high school in 2015. <laughs> yeah, it
0: was, it was my junior year of college.
1: Okay. All right. And, and what led you to, to go to France? Did you just want to get out there? Or did you have a particular interest in, in France? So,
0: when I was in high school, I took French for all four years. Including APD French. Mm-hmm. And I was good at it, but my teacher and I did not get along at all. Oh. She didn't ever give me good participation grades, even though I participated all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it was a pretty bad experience given that I thought, you know, this is a language that I really enjoy speaking, enjoy right. learning about, good at. Um, but anyway, so when I graduated high school, I was like, why did I learn all of this French, you know, I have to do something with it. So Mm -hmm. ever since then, when I learned about the concept of studying abroad in college, I was always fascinated with it. And I was like, I have to go to France, and do some sort of immersion program. So all of this hell that I was put through in high school is actually worth it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Oh, man. I'm, that's really unfortunate that you, te- you and your teacher didn't get along. Um yeah. But I I guess it's a good thing, at least, that that didn't, um, I guess, destroy your interest in French. Like, you still wanted to, to do something with it when you went on to university.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it was because my best friends were in that class. And so... That's probably the biggest reason that I stayed and just, like, hung out and, mm-hmm. like, raised a little bit of health to my teachers. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. And so you went to, to Lyon. Why, mm-hmm. why Lyon specifically?
0: I I thought I wanted to go to Paris. And, you know, maybe I did. But it was super, super, super expensive. Like, maybe like 50% more than the cost of going to either Lyon or Bordeaux. Mm -hmm. And I also spoke to one of my friends who had just come back from studying abroad, and he was like, Paris is great, but I think if you're interested in, like, the language and the culture, just don't go there. And so I had to choose between Paris, Bordeaux, and Lyon. And Lyon has this thing every December that's called, like, the Festival of Lights, Mm-hmm. Um, Fete Lumière, And I was like, all right, this sounds like the coolest festival ever. I'm gonna be there in December. I might as well go to Lyon. So it was kind of like that combination of factors.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's so interesting that your friend said that. Um I've heard that her from other people as well uh because i i studied in in france as well but i was i was in paris mm. so and i unfortunately mm. didn't get to go outside of the city that much but i even heard that from some french people also like i don't know this idea that paris is not like the real france which mm-hmm. i can't speak to how valid that is cuz i'm not a french person but i've heard a similar thing about how like you can you have to People saying it's it's worth it to also go outside of Paris to see what France is like. So um, yeah. I saw that was interesting that you brought that up. Yeah. And you went in December. So like, how long was it that you were in Lyon?
0: Yeah, I actually went like July through December. And so oh, I was okay. there in
1: August. I don't know. I was
0: there like the second half of the year. So okay. I was there like in the summer, fall, and then the beginning of December.
1: Wow. Wow. So like a, yeah. a whole semester then. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Wow. All right. So, um <clears throat> and you were with the host family. Were you with that host family the whole time?
0: I was, I was. And that was probably the highlight of my experience. I think it it felt very much that I was living in France versus just studying abroad. Like I didn't I feel like a lot of friends that I've met who've studied abroad have this experience where they enter with a cohort and they basically just do American things in a foreign setting, mm-hmm. and I felt like I had the exact opposite experience. I felt very much that I was truly living in Lyon, that I was a part of this family that most of my time was occupied, you know, with French people and not just,
1: um,
0: you know, I don't know, going out and seeing the tourist attractions mm-hmm. and
1: stuff. Right, right. Did you arrive with uh, a cohort of students, um, maybe from your University or a similar program, or was it just you going to Lyon and um, immediately? uh, Oh Lord! uh, (laughs) Immediately living with this host family once you got there.
0: Yeah, so I I did go with the with the program. Okay, Um, it was different than a traditional one because it was an immersion program, so it wasn't like we all had to take the same classes and learn the same subjects. But yeah, I did go with the program. I in college I went to. UC Davis. And so this program encompassed all the schools within the UC system. And Mm so, you know, we did our orientation together and some of my closest friends from studying abroad are, have been in that program with me. And so it was really nice to have, you know, fellow Americans that I could hang out with and spend my time with. So that was, that was like best of both worlds.
1: Okay. So you kind of balance between um, spending time with your friends, but also really committing to this immersion experience with your host family as well. Yeah. Okay. And your host family, uh, can you talk about, you know, what they were like? How many people were in this family? Yeah. So
0: the mom's name was Aude and she was, like, such a sweet French woman. And she was a single mom with two daughters. And it was fantastic because I really like kids. Like, I've worked as a camp counselor and I'm good with them and stuff. And one of the girls was eight or seven at the time and the other one was ten. And so, yeah, her, like, boyfriend would occasionally be over. But most of the time it was me hanging out with her the two girls. Um, And it was a lot of fun. It was like our little family for a few months.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like it would have been a really nice time. Did you get to um, communicate with her at all before you arrived?
0: Yeah, we exchanged a few emails. One of the
1: one of the things that we talked about before
0: was, you know, how are meals going to work? Because I'm vegetarian, and mm-hmm. French food is primarily not vegetarian. And so that was one of the things I was most concerned about before leaving. Mm-hmm. And so I sent her this email. I was like, I have all these concerns. I tried to write it in French. And I was very surprised by her response. She basically was like, yeah, my family tries to eat mostly vegetarian, so it won't be a problem. And so that was, like, a really awesome way to take off the trip before it even started.
1: Yeah, that's that's perfect how th- that worked out. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you were living um, with this host family the whole time, um, with your host mom and her, her two kids. And I, I think you said something about... You went on vacation to the Alps with them,
0: is that correct? Oh yeah, that was that was one of the major highlights. So, so there's there's the host mom, her boyfriend, two kids the uh, seven year old I think by now she might have been eight, um, and the ten year old girl. The seven year old girl is like very vibrant, very talkative, uh pretty rowdy little girl. Mm-hmm. And so our whole little family plus three of my. Friends got to come to mm-hmm. and so it was like her family my closest friends and so we all went out to my host mom's uh boyfriend's cabin in the Alps and so we did like a full day of skiing and then the following day we just sort of like hung out and my friends and I watched the kids sled and like the little girl was obviously, like, bouncing around all over the place because she was so excited to hang out with me and my friends because, you know, it's, like, such a different experience for them, too, Mm -hmm. um, to hang out with, like, young adults and not just the family. And so we just had, like, a really fun day where we all spent a lot of time together and did these, like, just, you know, normal activities, just, like, skiing, and so it was a a really great time. And uh, one of the highlights is, do you, do you, did you eat raclette when you were studying in France?
1: Uh no, I have had it but not in France unfortunately. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I think like there's two types there's, like Swiss raclette and French raclette, mm-hmm. but anyway. So I remember we came back from skiing and we were obviously exhausted cuz the Alps trails are pretty intense mm-hmm. and I hadn't gone skiing in a while and we, you know, we were just like socializing a lot and skiing a lot. So at the end of this long day, I remember coming home And I walked in, and it was, like, the most amazing smell. My host mom just, like, had this raclette pan out, (laughs) and she was just, like, heating up cheese on this hot metal, and, like, the cheese and the potatoes were, like, sizzling, and it was this lovely little cabin, and it just felt like something that was out of a movie. So that was, like, one of the most amazing experiences ever.
1: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm just imagining it, and it just feels, like, such a... It seems like it would be such like a cozy experience, you know, you come in from the cold and yeah. you've just got uh reclet and, and you're with all these people and, and you're all just having a good time together. Yeah. Yeah, it was That's amazing. So nice. That is so nice. Wow, I was gonna ask you if you had skied before, but you said you, you it had been a the a while since you had um skied, right?
0: Yeah, I I ski like I don't know, fairly regularly, like maybe once in every two years so I'm not great at it but Mm -hmm. I do know how to ski okay uh but skiing on the Alps was just a surreal experience yeah
1: oh that's great I've never skied before so I'm just like wow that must have been such an adventure
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was and some of my one of my friends one of my American friends she was like a professional skier but then some of the other ones didn't know how to ski at all so Mm -hmm. it was a really fun mix of skill levels yeah yeah
1: um were there any other I know that you said that was like the big one that was you know a really big highlight for you but can you think of any other like really enjoyable things that you and your host family did together
0: yeah there was there's just like some small you know it's the little things really the right. small experiences that I remember and so I remember one of the last weeks I was there I was going to the library or whatever to return a book and I remember telling my host's family I'm stepping out for a bit I'm gonna go return this library book and the the little girl she was like oh can I come and I was like yeah of course and you know (laughs) it's hard to tell how much kids like you and how much they're just being kids and so she just (laughs) held my hand and we walked down the street for like 10 minutes both of us to return my library book and then we hung out in the library for a few minutes and she looked at some books, and then we went back home, and it was just such a wholesome experience to know, you know, my host family, like, really enjoys spending time with me, and so that Aww. was, that was one. That's um
1: sweet. Another one
0: is, so I guess one reason that my host family was excited to be matched with me is, by mm-hmm. heritage, I'm, I'm Indian, and... I guess this younger girl is somehow really interested in Indian culture. I don't know how that happened, but (laughs) she was, like, really excited about learning more and learning about stuff. And so one day I went to this Arabic store and bought, like, a henna cone. Are you you familiar with henna? Yes. Yeah, and so I, I went and bought a henna cone, and I came home and I did henna for the girls and their friends who were over. And they were so amazed. They were like, this is the coolest thing ever. So that was like a really fun merging of cultures experience that I had. So those are
1: those are some like highlights I can think of. Yeah, that's so precious. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was was really cute. It's so nice you got you got to be like their their big sister for a while. I
0: know. I've never. I have a younger brother. I never had sisters, Mm -hmm. and I always I always wanted sisters. And this was definitely like the closest. I've been to it, and it was, like, such an awesome experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. For sure. Um, and, and so, outside of living with your host family, what were you... Excuse me. Were you, like, in class every day? Since this was, like... You said an immersion program. So, mm-hmm. did that involve, like, French classes as well?
0: So, we had one French culture class that was mandatory with the program. hmm But since So, my French level was pretty high, you know, because I learned French all throughout high school and mm-hmm. stuff. And so, all of the classes that I took, other than that one mandatory program class, they were all in French. And they were all just for French students. So, they weren't designed for anyone studying abroad. They were just, like, the regular university courses. Oh, okay. So, mm-hmm. I took maybe four-ish courses when I was there. So, I took two courses at the um, Sciences Po, I don't remember the English name, but like Politics Institute or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I took my, my major was econ. So I took one that was about financial and monetary crises. And, you know, we learned about the Great Depression and World War Two and all of those economic factors, inflation. The other class that I took that was an economics class was international management That was a really cool class because we did case studies and stuff Mm -hmm. and towards the end of it, I had to give a, like we did a group project and I had to give a group presentation and it was one of the most nerve-wracking experiences ever because even though I can speak French, it's not amazing and it's not like academically fluent. Mm So that was like a little scary. Um, And then I took a few, I took like a literature class and like another French grammar class not so much for learning French, but just for, like, reading French literature and underst- um I think, it like, the second one was, like, a linguistics class. And so that was just something that I wanted to take
1: as electives. Right. Okay. And and you said these are all just, you know, regular French university classes, not geared toward, um, like, international students. But were there other American or other international students in these classes that you were in? Um, not. Really, okay. my, one
0: of my economics classes had a few exchange students from all over the world, mm-hmm. but it was maybe like half and half. Okay. Oh. I The other classes were basically just French students. Like, there would be a few international students, but not so significantly that I really remember.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, you know, your, your language level, you said, was pretty high at the time. So, did you... You, I'm assuming you didn't have any real issues understanding what was going on in class or communicating with the your professors or your classmates at all
0: um well I don't know I guess one thing that I realized is language is so contextual right I felt yeah. very comfortable speaking French with my French classroom in the u s but I feel like when I moved to France, I felt like really insecure about speaking French. And so I just felt myself becoming a lot quieter and more reserved in class. I wouldn't ask questions because I was a little afraid of how it would come out. Like mm-hmm. would the French kids like not understand what I was saying, all of these things. Yeah. So it, there was kind of some difficulty in communication, but it was also more of like an emotional difficulty to want to communicate i guess and Mm -hmm. like if i didn't understand the material i would just keep my mouth shut it got a little better towards the end when i started to make more of an effort to make friends in those classes that are french and like feel a little comfortable being like yeah maybe my french is not as good as yours but i'm still smart Uh (laughs) (laughs) but yeah especially for the econ classes it was a little and that's because you know I barely understand econ in English, so Right. Yeah. <laughs> understanding it in French was like a different ball game. But yeah, somehow M- it worked out.
1: Right. It must have been a challenge, but you made it made it through and um, mm. did your best. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and um, so you were in Lyon, right? Um, can you talk about what kind of place Lyon is? I know it's one of the major cities in France, but from your experience living there, what type of place would you describe Lyon to be?
0: Yeah, so I think it's the third most popular, populist city in France after Paris and Marseille. I think it's the second biggest city. And something that was really interesting to me is it didn't feel like a big city. It felt very, not not closed in, but it felt very accessible. Like all of the parts of the city felt easily accessible. It never felt too crowded. Mm-hmm. If anything, it lacked some of the functions of of a city that I would imagine, like the metros didn't run as often as they might in a place like Paris. Mm. The stupid banks were like always, 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 <laughs> always, always, always closed. Like every time we tried to go the bank was closed. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sundays, on this is like, so the two main culture shocks for how a city should run first was the bank thing second Mm -hmm. everything would be closed on sunday like all the grocery stores everything because you know i guess sunday is the day of rest or whatever Mm -hmm. but (laughs) other than that Lyon was vibrant you know in its own way it was a bustling city but also a very relaxed and laid-back city Mm -hmm. i always felt like people had somewhere to be, like, people were going to work and doing things, but I also felt like no matter what day of the year was, people would always be out by the river drinking wine and hanging out with their friends and whatever, and so it always felt, like, pretty neutral in terms of atmosphere, like, you could be as relaxed as you wanted to be, Mm -hmm. Um, and then, I don't know, if you went more towards, like, the old quarter, there was always little ice cream shops and other things that you could pop into. And so it was just nice. Like it it has a lot of history and a lot of you know, Roman ruins and all this stuff. And it was really cool to see that and also see the more modern, like it's one of the business hubs of France. And mm-hmm. so to have those things combined together was a really awesome experience for me.
1: Yeah. That's nice. I'm really glad that you, you had that experience and you got to see, um, Got to know a city outside of of Paris. Um, yeah. Did Did you get to go to that light festival that you mentioned?
0: <sighs> okay, so <laughs> the light festival happened a month after the Paris attacks, where
1: oh like, the bombs
0: went off in the city. Yeah. And so basically, they canceled this event because it would bring in millions of visitors from mm. all across Europe, all across the world. And so they decided on the one year that I was looking forward to, they decided it was way too much of a safety concern to mm-hmm. have all of these people in one place, especially after the Paris attacks. So unfortunately, I did not get to go. I mean, they had like something, you know, they had like some light projections and it was okay, cool. It, it was still okay, but I was very, very disappointed. I was Mm -hmm. like, I've been waiting for this moment for years since high school when I learned about this festival. And Mm -hmm. then again, when I joined this program because of this festival. And I thought it was really ironic because it's supposed to be a festival of light, you know, where good wins over evil. But to me, it felt symbolic that we're, we're just letting this festival, like, be shut down because of something bad that happened. And so, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I still went out with my friends, and we saw some of the attractions, and we drank our mulled wine, and we walked around, and it was nice. But definitely, there, you know, the atmosphere just changed, and it was a very different Festival of life experience than than I ever than I ever thought would happen. Yeah, yeah, that's a shame. Like. <laughs>
1: I know. I know it's not uh, like funny, but it's just like you were there, right? You were there at the right time, and it just didn't work out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the main reasons, like that, I want to go back Mm -hmm. because I feel like I, I've been, you know, wanting to see this festival for so many years, and so I really do want to go back to Lyon one day and maybe see my host family. We haven't done a great job of keeping in touch. Hmm. So I don't know how that would work out, but it would be so nice to see them again and nice to maybe do a reunion with my friends and like go to the damn festival.
1: Yeah, finally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope you do get to do that. Um, it's a shame you you missed it. I mean, obviously the circumstances at the time, um, and like you said, they could have made a different choice, but um, it's just it didn't it didn't work out in your favor that time. So I hope you do get to go and and. Won't have to miss it next time. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you, uh, you mentioned going to the Alps, did you go anywhere else in France while you were staying in Lyon? Um, We went to this wine country called
0: the Beaujolais and we did this whole wine excursion, learned a lot about winemaking, had dinner, had lunch with the farmer and the, what is it, winemaker and Mm -hmm. his wife and stuff and that was awesome within France the only other place that I went I went to Paris for a bit like one or two weekends and I also went to Strasbourg for the Christmas markets as part of like a three-city Christmas market tour that my friend and I just decided to do Mm -hmm. and that was amazing it was like Strasbourg just I mean maybe it was because we were there during Christmas or near Christmas but it just felt like a Christmas town like the way the city was and how nestled it is and like more like at the
1: northeastern
0: part of France and Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I don't know it was just one of the best experiences my Christmas market tour
1: yeah okay yeah and um did you say that this was your first time uh going out of the country or did I
0: so um yeah kind of okay I'd been to India before but I don't really count that because I'm from there and so it it didn't feel like traveling you know it just Mm -hmm. felt like going from one home to a different home so this was my first time ever getting the experience of feeling like I was traveling somewhere so that changed the way that I think about travel
1: right and so leading up to it were you well you had traveled internationally before but since this is different a different uh travel scenario that you are embarking on I mean how did you feel about doing something that was so new
0: i so I always wanted to travel, and I really, really don't know why my family never traveled more because you know, as I grow older, I realize there's so many easy ways to just take like a two day trip on a layover to India, mm-hmm. and I never understood why they didn't do that, so I was always excited about yeah. the possibility to travel. I just never i guess because I'd never done it, I never knew how easy it was. Hmm. And so once I was in Lyon, I started to plan all these really spontaneous trips with my friends, you know, weekend trips to new countries. I think I visited 10 different countries while I was studying abroad. And I I wasn't honestly that nervous going into it. I was more nervous of, like, living with a host family, what's that going to be like, and taking my classes in French. I wasn't really nervous for the traveling abroad part. Mm-hmm. And once I was there, I was like, "All right, this is actually really easy, really great, and I'm going to keep doing this as much as possible."
1: Yeah, good. That's good. Um, what other countries did you did you go to?
0: Um, let's see. I went to a bunch of Western U- Europe countries. So I went to Spain. I went to Portugal, which was amazing, and I want to go back. Uh, Germany for the Christmas market, Prague for a few hours for the Christmas market. Switzerland with my mom right before we reached France. We also went to Belgium. And that was my mom's first time traveling, too. And so that was, like, a really cute and wholesome family experience.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I also went to Morocco and with some of my friends. And that was, like, it's just an incredible experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm so glad that you – I mean, granted, it's easier when you have – as as many months as you had you know you had a full semester but i'm mm-hmm. glad that you did take that opportunity to to visit so many other places wow. wow yeah
0: i just i decided i would either see all of france or see all of europe obviously not all but <laughs> and i decided like i'm i wanted to focus on going to as many countries as possible so i can figure out what i'm into and what yeah. places that i want to come back to and What maybe I want to stay away from and so that's why I wanted to just like go on this Europe and Morocco tour
1: right Uh, I mean were there places that you decided you wanted to stay away from um
0: not really I think the only interesting thing and maybe I have to give it a second chance is everyone is like super in love with Amsterdam but when I went there I had a bad time (laughs) maybe because it was raining too much Maybe because like one of the nights I like got separated from my friends and it was really hard to contact people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I don't know. When I went there, I was like, I don't need to come back to this place again. But <laughs> you know, since then, all my friends have been like, it's the most amazing place ever. Yeah. So you know, and I I think more than staying away from, I've gotten a good sense of where it's really easy to travel alone. Somewhere like Portugal, I went alone. I forgot to mention Italy. I also went alone, and I loved. Italy I love it so much there's just so much diversity and scenery and food and all of this culture because um, I went to north and more southern Italy more recently but when I was mm-hmm. there I went to northern Italy and then places like Morocco on the other hand where I'm I went with a group of friends and I'm glad that I went with friends because it's a very patriarchal culture hmm. and I I think like maybe it's safe you know but I I felt on one hand, I felt like it was an awesome cultural experience, but on the other, I was like, I would hate to be alone in this
1: country by myself as a woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's real though. Um, at least you were able to, to to be aware of you know both aspects of that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, going with a group made it made it better. So okay, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, wow, so it sounds like overall you had a, a really. A really great time, um, full of experiences while you were um, studying in France. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you come away with it thinking you got gotten as much out of it as you wanted to?
0: Oh, definitely, like, way more. I just exceeded all of my expectations. Yeah. Other than the banks being closed all the time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's gotta be a pain. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Okay. And um, I wanted to ask you about, because you um, you said you work in tech now, but you also have something called the Soapbox, Soapbox Project, right? Yeah. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah. So
0: Soapbox Project is a media platform that I've founded that eliminates friction between information and impact. And basically what that means is if you see something disturbing, or something that you don't agree with, or something that upsets you, in the news, in the media, whatever. I think the reaction from Americans now is sort of like, oh, it happens, like that sucks, and you're shocked for like an hour, and then you forget about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's just too much other noise going on, and I find that oftentimes people have a hard time actually taking action on issues that they care about. So I'm really trying to strengthen that connection and make it really easy. For people to just give a crap and actually follow through on things that they read about or hear about. Yeah
1: have Have you always been interested in, um, in this sort of work before? Like, in terms of making an impact uh, on these issues or social justice, have, is that something you've always been interested in?
0: Sort of. So. So I grew up in the Bay Area in like pretty privileged circumstances. I never thought that my family was rich or anything, right? I like had to share a room with my brother and we lived in a small house. But mm-hmm. when I went to college I realized how different my circumstances were from everyone else, like especially in terms of education. Mm-hmm. And I just realized like what a little bubble Silicon Valley is and that belief got way more strengthened, too, when I went abroad. So it was, I don't know. So when I went to college, I realized how good my education in high school had been and how everyone that I was meeting just, like, was not up to par with what I expected academically. Mm -hmm. And then when I went abroad, I realized that one of my, one of my close friends in France, he was maybe 22 when I met him, and he was already a doctor. And I was like, this should never, ever (laughs) happen in the United States. And even in my classes, like, these college students just seemed a lot, I don't want to say smarter because that's such a subjective term, but Mm -hmm. I guess they seemed a lot more engaged and they seemed a lot more mature than students in the United States that I went to college with. Mm. And that kind of had me thinking more about, like, American culture and society and how flawed it is and I think that like all of the experiences that I had in college put me more strongly on this path of how do we create a more civically engaged workforce basically like how do we make people give a crap more about all the problems that are in our country and like fix them and be more active about fixing them even if it's in like really really small small ways and small changes that you can make
1: obviously you don't you don't have to go in depth but what are some of those small changes like when people are are um become involved with soapbox project and they're learning Mm -hmm. how to take action on on issues that they care about what are the things that they're learning to do that they didn't think to do before
0: yeah so one of our initiatives which is a newsletter it's called change letter i launched it this september so Mm four or five months ago and What it is, is a sustainability newsletter where I pick a topic every month. So for example, this month, the topic is the impact of your diet on the environment. So I pick one topic and then I break it down into really easily readable bite-sized modules. Like it'll never take you more than three minutes to read. And I break it down over the four weeks of each month into four modules. So the first one is read, then it's listen, then it's act, then it's reflect. And in each one, I send, like, little things that you can think about or changes that you can make. So, for example, spoilers for next week's module, which will be ACT, I'm going to basically say one simple way to cut dairy out of your life is, like, you don't have to give up all ice cream and cheese, whatever, but you can switch from dairy milk to oat milk because it, like, tastes pretty similar and it can be used in cooking and all of these things. And mm-hmm. also it doesn't expire as quickly. So it's really a win-win. And so things like that. Um, and this, this week I'm, I'm listening. I'm telling people to listen to this podcast that I'm featuring. And it basically talks about alternate, like meat alternatives, <laughs> mm-hmm. including crickets and including lab grown meat, which is going to be big in the future. And like encouraging people to, I feel like our society poses everything in a very binary way. Like Mm -hmm. you can either be a good person that's a vegan or you can be a bad person that eats beef. And I think that's a way to like simplified and discouraging way to put it. And I think it causes people to be like, all right, I'm being judged anyway for my choices. So I'm just going to go eat this hamburger and I don't care. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to say like, all right, you can maybe eat a chicken burger instead of a hamburger, or like, instead of a chicken burger, like once a week you can eat vegetarian, or like, basically like meet people where they're at and encourage them to make small changes for things that they say they do care
1: about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really important task that you're undertaking, and um, ha- have you been able to to see how effective it is so far? Have you received feedback from from people who are following the the steps that you put out there?
0: Yeah, so one of the most touching things was actually an email I got last week. Up till then, I feel like a lot of the great feedback that I've gotten has been from friends who have been implementing these changes. And, mm. you know, I, I feel really good about that, but it's hard to know how much is just my friends trying to support me and what I'm doing. <laughs> uh-huh. But I got an email from a random subscriber that I, I don't even know who she is And she shared this story about how she went vegetarian while living in Mexico and how it was culturally really difficult because a lot of the meals are meat-oriented. But, you know, she just, like, kept pushing through and kept keeping this up. And then when she shared facts similar to the one that I'm sharing, they actually started thinking about it more. And they were like, oh, okay, this is an important thing. And they started supporting her more than questioning why she was doing it. And so she was really grateful to be signed up for, signed up for Soapbox Projects newsletter and have this kind of reinforcement that she can easily share with people that might not have the same background and values as her. And I don't know, it was like such a long and thoughtful email coming from someone that I didn't know. And that just made me feel really good about what I was doing.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. It must feel so nice to to receive feedback like that, to know that what you're doing is making a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and, um, do do you have a a podcast as well that's associated with the Soapbox Project?
0: I do. I do. So it's called Get Schooled, and it's about education. And that was, like, one of the things that I was initially interested about. You know, I mentioned this earlier. Mm -hmm. I was... Concerned, I'm still concerned with the state of U.S. education, so I'm trying to explore through different lenses, whether it's through kids, teachers, parents, um, students that have been through the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. teachers and parents that have been exposed to domestic violence related to schools, like all of these different issues I'm trying to tackle through this podcast. Yeah. Um, and I'm also actually launching a new podcast later this fall Oh. about a woman that has grown up in and recently escaped a cult. And, Mm. you know, it's another one of these issues that's pretty pervasive if you know where to look and, you know, about really serious things like religious supremacy and gender-based violence and stuff. And so I'm just on this journey to try to figure out how can you make these really tough topics listenable and engaging and entertaining while still treating it Treating the issue at hand seriously and getting people yeah. to care and take action.
1: Hmm. Wow! So, so you've got a lot going on, and even more on the horizon. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do Do you have a team? You're not doing this all by yourself, are you?
0: I was for a while, and okay. now I have a volunteer team that helps with things like design and social media and thinking out some of the like business strategy. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been on and off. Like when whenever I can get a team, I I use, you know, I use all the help I can get. And yeah. the team that I onboarded two weeks ago is absolutely fantastic. My designer has been working with me since maybe October, and she's she's a some magical witch and makes the most <laughs> amazing graphics ever. Mm-hmm. So that's been a that's been a huge help. Um, I'm still trying to figure out some of the other things for like podcasts specifically, I don't have anyone helping me on that. So mm. yeah, there, it's definitely a, a journey and a work in progress.
1: Right. But you're doing it though. And it looks like you've, you've done pretty well so far. So yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's amazing. You, you mentioned uh, how sometimes at work, you like look up flight deals and whatnot. <laughs> um, I'm just, I'm wondering, is there anywhere specific that you have in mind that you want to go? Besides going back to Lyon again at some point.
0: So actually, this is my travel strategy that I that I got from th- that same friend who was like, don't go to Paris, go to these other places. Mm-hmm. He also told me, when you're doing weekend trips, don't have your heart set on where you want to go. Just pick a budget and a time that works for you and let the flight deals show you where to go Hmm. and since then since that conversation that i had in 2015 i have just stuck to that almost religiously like i the the world has so much to see and so much to do and i think it would be silly to shell out you know and like i don't know like a thousand dollars to go to thailand or whatever Mm -hmm. when i can spend three hundred dollars to go to guatemala and back and so i've let that guide my decision so i'll look on Skyscanner. I just got a uh, subscription to Scott's Cheap Flights, and so i will just use those and be like, "All right, like this place sounds cool, and it's somewhere I've never been, and it's under five hundred dollars, so mm-hmm. I guess I'll go."
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a that's a really good strategy because I know like with especially when people go on trips, it's about the place. That, it's about the destination that they're going to. Mm-hmm. It, um, but it, that's a different way to look at it in terms of like. Focusing on the, the cost and the time and then letting the destination be whatever, whatever the deal mm-hmm. or, or wherever the, the deal has you going to. So and, and you've you've enjoyed doing it that way so far.
0: It's been awesome. Like yeah. Guatemala that I just mentioned, I think the ticket was literally three hundred dollars from SFO in mm. San Francisco. And I never had Gua- I didn't know anything about Guatemala. I didn't have it on my list. But I was like, this is such a cheap flight, So I just went with one of my friends and my brother. And that was our first and only time doing an international trip together, me and my brother. And it was awesome. And we explored all of this volcanic scenery and a lake and all these markets. And it was these experiences that I could never have thought I would have. And so, yeah, there's been like no downside in doing that. And I still get to go to places that are more mainstream, like uh, New Zealand, for example, like when a ticket went on sale last December for like significantly under $1,000 and from where I am, it's always like 1500 and up. Mm-hmm. And so I got to go to New Zealand and I never thought I would go in my early 20s because, you know, it's just super expensive. Mm-hmm. The whole, yeah, it, it just worked out amazingly.
1: Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, Do you have any other, um, I guess, tips or advice that you would want to share for people who want to travel more in general or who want to study abroad like you did?
0: Yeah, I would say if you have the resources, like the
1: financial resources
0: to study abroad, 100% do it. Like, it's very unique to be in a position, you know, studying abroad is not cheap. So if you can do it, then do it. And if Mm -hmm. you can't, that's honestly nothing to regret about because travel is a lot cheaper and a lot easier than people think. I certainly thought travel was always like $2,000 flights. But I think there's so many, and even these days there's so many blogs and tips on how to travel for a budget on a budget, but like you can go to some of the most expensive places for not and, and not pay that much. Like, I, I did a whole Scandinavia trip for $1,000, and that's, like, one of the most expensive set of countries in the world. And so mm-hmm. I would say, go travel, get cheap flights, don't be stubborn about a destination, and cook as many meals as you can <laughs> in your hostel or whatever, and don't mm-hmm. buy food unless you have to.
1: Perfect. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, wait, for... Um, I meant to ask, for the study abroad program you did in Lyon, did you have... Any strategy, like, how did you go about uh, being able to afford that? Was it scholarships or some other fundraising that you did?
0: Um, I can't, I can't remember, but I do remember, I think, like, the program cost significantly, like, I think the program cost was comparative enough to tuition that I didn't have to take out anything extra for it. Um, I'm trying to think, so... I also, I was not living in student housing, which means I could sublet. Like, I didn't have to pay rent. Like, I didn't have to pay, like, double rent or anything. Mm -hmm. I stayed with a host family, and that was a lot cheaper than staying in my own housing. Yeah, so I think the actual cost of the program ended up being comparable to tuition. So that, plus a lot of financial choices that I made abroad. Like, Mm -hmm. my friends would always, like, eat meals out, and I just wouldn't and stuff. And so choices that I made abroad really helped me and it also helped that, you know, my family was helping with tuition already and so I didn't have to ask them for any more money or take out any loans. So I'm I'm it was in a very unique situation and very fortunate to have been in that. Yeah. Um but if you know if I went to study in Paris or something, there's there's no way that I could have done it.
1: Right. <laughs> totally different story. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. (laughs) So my my last question that I ask everyone is um, how can people reach you or keep up with what you're doing online?
0: Yeah. So I'm pretty internet friendly. Um, My name is Nivia Chanta and I'm at Nivia Chanta on like every social media, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of this stuff. And then my website also has a lot of contact info. If you want to check it out, that's org and that has my contact info more about my team stuff that I'm working about um, and anything else that I blog about so mm.
1: that's pretty much that's the summary okay great um well thank you so much for your time today Nivi it was really nice getting to to know a bit about you and hear a bit about your time <clears throat> excuse me in France um Oh, shoot. I did have one one other question that I, I yeah, forgot ahead. to ask. I know you said one of your, your host sisters was very thrilled and very interested in the fact that you were an Indian person that she could, you know, get to know personally. Mm-hmm. Did you, I mean, is there a, an Indian community that you witnessed while you were in France? Or did you get to, to or were you kind of just like the only one wherever you went? Yeah, that's
0: a good question i actually don't think i saw or met any other indian people while i was in france mm-hmm. um in like belgium and switzerland when i went with my mom we definitely ran into a lot of other indian people mm-hmm. in france there's a large arab population so a few people thought I was arab but i i don't know i guess it's not something that i thought about but okay. now that you mention it i don't think i ran into any other indian people in Lyon. oh wow okay
1: yeah Alright. But I guess knowing the language kind of helps. Plus, you have your host family to, like, so you have this, like, people who, who, who know you while you're there. So, um, it's not so much that you're just kind of, like, out on your own, even though you aren't, you know, there aren't any other Indian people around. Okay. Um, that was just something I was curious about that I forgot to ask until just now so thank you for, <laughs> for answering that for me <laughs> okay well once again thank you so much I-, I will let you go on with the rest of your day I hope you have a great a great day and a great rest of your week and um, I'll, I'll be in touch as it gets closer to release day
0: yeah that sounds great thank you so much for having me
1: okay yes thank you it's been it's been a pleasure look
0: forward to keeping in touch
1: yes me too all right bye, bye Nivi all right y'all there it is thanks to Nivi for being such a wonderful guest and I hope you liked how this all turned out For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook and at YG Abroad on Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to Young Gifted and Abroad wherever podcasts are. And you're welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher while you're at it. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode in two weeks, the guest is going to be someone who has a background in academic research. And as part of his academic research, he uh, spent some time in Trinidad and Tobago cuba and spain so we'll get into the specifics of why he was there and what he was doing in two weeks but until then thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time